Stop looking at my legs. But <laughs> I'll look directly at your yeah, mid thigh. Ah, right. making it uncomfortable. Okay. okay. What? Made it uncomfortable. You're listening to the John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back to the John Chi Show, everyone. It is your boys, KJ, Nathan. No, God. It, welcome <laughs> back to the John Chi Show, everyone. It's your boys, KJ, Nathan, and Patrick. Back in the saddle for what feels like the first time in a very long time. How you doing, everyone? Been a week. It's been one week <laughs> since you looked at me. Oh, yeah. I guess it's true. It's <laughs> been a week. On the screen. For the... <laughs> Nice. Uh, it's been a week since we all were all doing intro together, but we're here for the full episode. Yeah, so that, that's for true. the listeners at okay. home, this is your first fully collected pa- package of the Feasty Boys plus guest. None of this like subbing in and out business. So yeah, no more twos. No more, no yeah. more twos for at least this Wednesday. After <laughs> that, at least uh, just this time. Well, then you <laughs> no guys promises. will be chewing it up this week though by yourselves without me. So. We have to is do it too by ourselves. That's yeah. oh, yeah. right. off air, off air conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We have our stuff I'm, together. I'm doing well. Maybe, maybe people well. want the behind the scenes. I don't know. I don't think they. I, I was actually want this much behind the scenes. It's funny. I was literally <laughs> thinking like, what are we going to talk about on this intro? And I was like, maybe we should just do the behind the scenes where we figure out the information <laughs> the live for show? the live show. <laughs> if we like, just uh, rain, we just workshop it on the intro. Yeah, and then everyone no. can call in with their opinions. 972-677-8867. That's funny. That's fine. Oh, wait. Um, actually, while while we're doing this, Patrick, how do you say R-R-R-O-O-F? Uh, I say roof. You say roof. Okay. I think So here's roof. the deal. I think, Nathan, I think we've talked about this too much now that if you were to say it, you get to in your head about it. It's not going to be honest anymore. I probably would. Roof. So, I can yeah. say it either way. Right. Depends on how fast you're saying it, right? But I also mm-hmm. know that we have one person mm-hmm. leave a voicemail. Where yeah. they said it, <laughs> and that may or may not have been me. I think we're Spoiler stretching this, this. I think we're stretching this out way too long. Is what I think. So. I don't think so. I wasn't I here, mean, so I just I technically need caught up. <laughs> Even though I from context clues, I know exactly what the I conversation mean, we is. We can go over a lot of words. It wasn't I'm a sure conversation. It was a singular moment in time. One single so, moment in time. One yeah. shining moment. <laughs> nice. All right. Anyways, we are the John Chi Show. Did we already oh, say yeah, that? Right. No, we have <laughs> <laughs> I think we did. I think we rolled in. We have in. not. Definitely have not. Yeah, we you did. The, you rolled no, in. We're the John Chi show. What, is, what does John Chi mean? John Chi means to feast. And we also say that it means to celebrate because what we do on the show is that we feast together at the end of the show. But <laughs> during the show, we celebrate our shared heritages as Korean-American adoptees, sometimes with a guest, sometimes by ourselves, sometimes with only two of us. But that is what John Chi means Sometimes with a Chinese adoptee. Sometimes with a Chinese adoptee. Sometimes with somebody who's not even adopted one time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Real early on in the show. Um, yes, but that's what that means for all you new listeners out there. Thank you again for tuning in or for tuning in for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do we have, I mean, I don't really have a lot to intro. Is there anything we want to like get into before we jump into the, the introduction? I'll cut this part out if we need to. 
Nathan, why don't you give them a quick rundown of what we did last year and what we are planning to do this year for the details that we currently have. Well, John Chi Live essentially was a collection of um, people coming together and uh, just having a good time with the the show, having a a little live podcast, a little uh, a little Korean barbecue, and and then afterwards we even did a little noribang, um, which is karaoke which is for the uninitiated. Korean karaoke, yeah. Those well, it's who, not. I mean, I guess it is a whole different type of karaoke. <laughs> it's, I was going to say it's, it's Korean. not Korean karaoke, but it, it literally no. it is Korean karaoke is its own thing. But in Korean, yeah. could you call it Korean lip syncing? No, because it's not even lip sync; it's real singing. Because you're singing Korean, it out loud. Yeah. yeah. Is it like just cover? Is there like an actual name that's not karaoke, or is that like yeah, Norebang? Norebang. Well, no. I mean, I mean, like, is there another? I don't know. Oh, like an I don't English even know term? How to ask the question. Is there? Is there not an even English, an English word? Term. I don't know right? what is yeah. like the root of it. Like karaoke was that first or? I mean, that's what was, who was the first person to be like, I'm going to sing the Backstreet Boys covers cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with just the with just the music. I mean, I've always known it as just as, you know, karaoke. I think KJ has put his producer hat on is looking I, it up right now. I, I Googled it. Korean Norebang translates to English karaoke, which is entirely <laughs> helpful. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, so maybe if I go to karaoke to Japanese it will, and then Where's back the to English. Well, yeah, know. that sounds too talented. Either way, it's a good time. We sang, we drank. You know, it was fun. And, and why did we get together? I don't think because, that you said. Well, I mean, it was our one year anniversary of the show, and so this year it'll be the two year anniversary of the show. And uh, I mean, kind of. You know, it's it's significantly it's, later. It's a little than after two years, sure. Yeah, yeah. but uh, have a but, few weeks. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, the fun thing about the 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 podcast that. One thing that we've talked about specifically is when we do the podcast, we just have ourselves to look at. We never actually look at, you know, the, the listeners, the people who are, you know. <laughs> you mean like physically? Yeah, okay. physically in the like, same room. I was room. like, what do you mean? We have guests on a lot. Like we <laughs> sing <laughs> stories all the time. I'm talking about the listeners. Studio audience. I'm talking about the oh, other hundreds of people that that may be listening The tens right now. of people who show <laughs> the up. The tens of people. <laughs> the tens of people. So that, I think, was was the neat part for me is seeing, you know, people actually looking at us while we're talking and, you know, just explaining our journey and the, um, the past year of the show. And this year we, you know, we haven't really discussed what we're going to talk about in our live, um, discussion, but, uh, but still, I think it's just a good time to maybe we'll have, you know, more Q and a, maybe we'll be having a panel. Maybe we'll, you know, we really haven't discussed the actual details, but either way it will be live as in, the people that are attending, it'll be live. <laughs> so. It will be a live recording of a John Chu <laughs> Show podcast, we followed will be by dinner. Alive. We will be potentially Norebang. Yeah. So, potentially yeah. Norebang. Yeah. Yeah. It's in Dallas. In October. Yeah. October 22nd. You know, we people. talked about it a little bit at the end of the of the interview, but uh, it's good to throw it out here, I think. Yeah. The more trust we talk me, about trust it. Trust us when we say in September, you'll be hearing a lot about it. Yeah. <laughs> Which because is next week. That's next week. <laughs> well, we want to give everyone no, enough time. That's why. is next week. Yeah. Oh, flip. Oh, wait. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. No? Yep. Math? I don't know. Uh, it's fine. I'm going to rescind, retract, redact. <laughs> Cut that. All right. It's fine. Great. <laughs> All right. Um, Nathan, not Nathan. Patrick, I, in my mind, whatever. Patrick, not Patrick. Tell us, tell us who we're, who we're interviewing today. Sure. So today we are interviewing the Honorable Mayor Jenna Antonowitz. Ooh, about got me there. <laughs> um, rise for the honorable mayor jenna that's what you do for mayors right 
I a hundred percent. You cry. It's like I'll rise. Jenna, that would be her theme. Stretch. If she were yeah, to have right. one, it would be more <laughs> the, the <laughs> home run. Than, than home run, Jenna. Perfect. Yes, but um, this was a really fantastic interview. Um, we, I think, for us being all three of us being together for the first time for a guest in a long time, I think she was a perfect guest. Someone who has listened to a lot of the show, um, but also came in just. Oh yeah! Immediately throwing shade, (laughs) just shade. (laughs) Um, But it was honestly super. A lot, a lot of fun. um, A lot of laughs, and honestly, a lot of or some good serious talk that we ended up having near the end. Not that it's not serious throughout the interview, but uh, no, it was a lot of fun. She shares a lot of different things that I don't want to spoil here, um, and I honestly feel like we didn't have enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Jenna is a yeah. guest I would love to have back on. Not that I wouldn't love to have all of our guests <laughs> back on, but uh, recency bias is telling me that I would really enjoy having Jenna back on the show to talk about more things. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts or anything before we roll in? No. <laughs> all righty then. I know she's laughing right now listening to this. So, without further ado, here is our conversation sense. with the Honorable Mayor Jenna Antonowitz. Roll it. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the John T. Show interview portion because I feel like that's how I've heard Wes introduce this part in the last couple of times. Anyways, um, we have a really great guest today. I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna sit down. I've been standing up <laughs> for the listeners. I've been standing up, and I'm gonna sit down now. Um. Anyways, lasted five seconds. We have. <laughs> we. I'm training fast. for that. I'm training for that half marathon. <laughs> training for the half marathon right My there. Legs are tired. Good job. Um, yeah, okay. There. Anyways, today this he is ran great. one and a half mile. I went. That was yesterday. I got two miles coming up tomorrow because today's all right, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. this is a terrible injury I'm this so is sorry. a perfect <laughs> intro um for a perfect <laughs> intro for a perfect guest uh today we have someone who has been a fan of the show for a little while and we've been connected on the socials i think for a little while after that and uh, we've had some conversations and i know she's been a big fan of the show but it's very exciting for us to now have her on as the guest of honor please welcome the honorable mayor jenna antonowitz jenna thank yeah. you for joining us today hey guys. long time listener first time caller you know long time first time hey, i fan like of the it. show we're a fan of you i mean come on so, we are a fan of you I mean, nathan why are we a fan of of the honorable mayor well, here? other than the fact that he is our first mayor or public official i guess you could say um we think it's just is that true i i think it's true I don't know. I'm still very impressed by that. When you, when we first started communicating many many months ago, and you you said, actually, I know another another CAD mayor, and we were like, what? There's another, there's another one. So there's at I, least two of us in Pennsylvania. Wow. I, I just I think, I think that's great. Well, so. wasn't the first time that you reached out to any of us the, an email to the show directly? Probably. Yeah, I get real excited about things. <laughs> I feel like I remember Nathan like messaging us and goes, we just got an email from a mayor. i was like i was like okay okay interesting hilarious um well jenna uh it's a big honor for us to have you on the show and as you well know we like to start the show by asking our guests to share a little as little or as much as you want about your adoption story 
I feel like we got to come up with a better way of describing that. Anyways. No. Um, I, so the, the long you, is that the right way? Is, the long version is share your adoption story in your own words because it's your story without any of the, you know what I mean? Like it's, but like the, we want adoptees to own and claim their own stories and not feel the need to start with, I was adopted from, or my parents right, or right, right. like anything just to center themselves in their own story. Cause I feel like adoptees have a, a taught habit to not center themselves in their own stories or to tell their stories from like a third person. You know what I mean? So it's like, own your story. If you want to take forever to tell your story, great. If you want to take no time at all to tell your story, also great. Should we just start over? I don't know. <laughs> we'll cut it all out. It's fine. Yeah, we'll it's just, fine. It's editing. We're going to leave it all in. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say, I'm so excited to be here with all the three of you. You don't know this, but you have been so important in my journey over the past a little over a year now. So it's been really exciting. Um to just be here with all of you. So thank you for having me on the show. I am the one who is honored. I can I can call all of you the honorable. <laughs> oh. Whoa. Well, we all know that my ego will accept Yeah, that, I know. So. What did I say? <laughs> His head's getting bigger, folks. Patrick, sit down. Patrick's like, that's one title I haven't explored yet. Like, I think I, I need to stand for myself. That title yet. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, enough about me. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully by the end of this interview, you will all choose to run for public office. We'll get to that, though, guys. We'll get to that. Um, Yeah, my my adoption story, though, is quite a bit different than if you had asked me a year ago. And so um, there's there's really two. There's the one I like how KJ was framing that. You know, we oftentimes put ourselves in the third person perspective. So if I was going to tell that story, uh, I was born in 1983. I was 11 months old when I arrived at JFK International Airport. My parents came to get me and it was 1984. At the time, they lived in New Jersey. Those were some very dark years. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. For all those Jersey people, I'm very kidding. We moved to Pennsylvania. We love you, Jersey. Grew- <laughs> love you, Jersey. My husband's from New Jersey, so I always feel like I'm, I'm allowed to poke fun at New Jersey. Um, so I grew up in very rural Pennsylvania. We were actually only about an hour, hour and a half outside of Philadelphia, but, you know, lots of cows, lots of cornfields. Um, so, yeah, I have an older brother. Not, not, you know, he's my parents' biological son. He's eight, quite a bit older. He's eight years older. Uh, had a great childhood. They were looking back. I had to write them like a note to really own that I took a lot for granted. You know, they offered, hey, do you want to go learn Korean at a Korean church? They sent me to whole international heritage camp, which at the time I just was going with the flow and you're, you know, you're kayaking and you're doing arts and crafts and you're meeting all your friends and <laughs> you're, you're tipping cows, you're saying hello to the grass. You're, you know, <laughs> exactly. You're, you're not Philadelphia things. Exactly. You're not thinking about the fact that I am seeing all of these Korean adoptees who are in their 20s and they're our counselors and they're normalizing it for us. And I'm meeting all of these cats who are still lifelong friends. I'm in touch with so many of them still. And you take it for granted. And now looking back, I know that that really probably centered me in a way that I didn't realize at the time. So that was cool. And yeah, just sort of went through the rest of my life, not really thinking about being Korean making jokes about it, doing the whole thing um, until about a year ago. So that that's the story I would have told you a year ago. And jumping into my, you know, first person perspective, I was born in Mokpo. I never knew that. That was the first thing that I ever found out about myself that I didn't know. 
I always assumed I was born in Seoul. It's mostly just because I didn't look at my paperwork closely. It actually says Mokpo Reception <laughs> Center. But when you don't know Korean or yeah. anything about Korea, you're just like, oh, that's a, another random word. Cool. So Seoul was the only word that I knew, right? Um, and I, see, I was born in Mokpo. My parents were not married, which didn't seem to really uh, bother anyone in the family when I met them this summer. But what happened was my, I was born, my appa was working as a laborer, you know, it's, you know, big, big fishing city, right? Lots of seafood. And I believe he was also living with my aunts, his younger sisters. I think they were helping to take care of me. I think his mom was helping to take care of me. And my birth mom had some pretty severe postpartum depression. So her mom worried about her daughter, took her away. And my appa said he never saw her ever again. So there he is. He's 25-ish. I'm, you know, two months old. And he he did his best for about six or seven months. And a neighbor told him, I think it probably went down like they saw him struggling. And they said, you know, there's there's a children's reception center nearby. They'll help take care of her. So he took me there in April of 1984. And in that September is when I came to the United States. So... I, uh, it was it was pretty cool going to going to Mokpo and seeing the reception center and we'll get into all of that. But yeah, yeah. massive spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> massive spoiler. I know. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, just think another uh, uh, something to unpack later in the interview because I feel like there's a lot here um, and a lot in your story. And actually, one thing I was thinking about as I was hearing you talk about this, and we talked a little bit before we hopped on the recording about how our journeys are kind of mirrored each other's a little bit in the way that we've kind of went about uh, having what would generally be described as a positive adoption experience, but then opening or coming out of the fog as we will um, and going through that. And I was thinking like, Oh, but you've also gone back to Korea and had a reunion. And I'm like, so you're on almost an accelerated path in comparison <laughs> to mine, like where I'm talking about sprinting, you've literally hopped in the jet plane uh, yeah, read the pilot's four. manual and yeah, went Mach <laughs> 4, um, which I think is absolutely incredible, uh, especially because you are a very public facing official. Um, but we'll get into that later. I, there was one thing in the early part of your story I wanted to talk about first, and that was you talked about being at the Holt camps and building relationships and friendships with other adoptees there. Now, and you said this was part of your kind of what I would call the in, part of your rejection phase where you weren't really thinking about your identity in that way. That's how I describe mine. Maybe probably not everyone describes it that way. But looking back, did you realize or do you think that y'all ever had conversations about the fact that you were building community in that way? Or was it purely just a friendship, we're all friends type of scenario? Oh, yeah, we definitely I have no recollection of any of us ever sitting down and saying, the reason we're here is because sure. we have gathered here <laughs> sure. today for the purposes of discussing. Sure. <laughs> really, it was, um, you know, we were more focused on, you know, which girls were in which cabin and are they going to mm. be nice to us? And that boy's cute over there. I mean, that purely the only Classic. thing I can really remember, um, because I was one of two Asian Americans in my high school, very, very, very small rural high school. And I didn't know she was adopted from China until probably a few years ago. Like she and I were very close and we never talked about the fact that we were both adopted. I think maybe we wow. just assumed. <laughs> yeah, there was sort of never any of that 
purposeful connecting. The only thing I remember from camp is hearing in the periphery somebody say, you know, this is the only week I can come to a place where I'm around other people who I, where I don't have to explain myself. And whoever that person was, who was 11, 12, 13, was super mature in thinking about this. <laughs> and I, I do remember hearing that and having a huh, like a huh moment. And it obviously really stuck with me because I, I still remember it now. I mean, for better or worse, I, I had a, a really positive experience growing up. I don't know if it's because I just had the unearned self-confidence. If somebody was teasing me, I just ignored it and just didn't, you know, it didn't absorb or um, or what. But I'm sure I was, I'm sure people made comments. Um, my parents did a really good job at really grounding me to just be, it, they were real simple about it. We love you. You're our daughter. The end, you know, which... There wasn't a lot of nuance there, but I think when you're two, three, four, elementary school, middle school, you you do just want to know that your parents love you, right? So, right. Um, so yeah, I do, that's the only thing I remember from camp. I think we had more conversations as we got older. You know, I was on the AOL Instant Messenger with like my, oh, yeah. you know, my friends from camp. I think you aged out at like 15 from that camp. So I really mm. kept in touch oh, with wow. a lot of people, you know, through the rest of high school, through college. And um, I, I just got together with a girl a couple of months ago who we, you know, and back then we were like literal pen pals too. You know, we didn't okay. kind of didn't start emailing until later and so I love, I know you're not ageist on the show, but I love when you guys are talking <laughs> and Nathan, it'll be, Nathan will be like, well, I didn't have the internet growing up. And you guys yeah. are like, what? The encyclopedias. I mean, you yeah. already, you already mentioned AOL online and I'm thinking, I was like, yeah, I used to get those discs, those CDs. <laughs> oh my God. I forgot about the discs. I just threw away a bunch of them. Oh my yep. gosh. So, uh, Took me back for a second. So anyway, but that was a very long answer to your question, Pat. I'm very, that's how this whole interview, you're going to ask me one question. I'm going to go on for 20 minutes. You'll have to cut me off. I apologize. (laughs) We would never. We would never cut you off (laughs) because you are the honorable mayor (laughs) in Tonowitz. (laughs) All rise. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, that wasn't for you. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. Sorry, I'm very much uh, centering myself. You called Patrick honorable one time, and he thinks all applause is for him. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I suck. Um, Anyways, on the flip, so on the flip side of that, I guess uh, you talked about being one of two Asian Americans in your school, but you were able to go to these camps, and you also talked about. Um, your parents actively asking, you know, do you want to go to language school or do certain different things? Was were those your only attempts or forays into culture as well, or were there other ways for you to access culture growing up too that kind of kept you a little bit more tied together or tied to uh, that community? That's another great question. No, we when I tell you that we lived in the middle of nowhere. It was, a, it was a good 20, 25 minutes to go get a gallon of milk, unless you wanted to milk it yourself, you know, which we, I, I was not okay, equipped okay. to do. You know, we were wow. really, um, we had to have been an hour, hour and a half from the closest Korean restaurant. And so funny story that we used to, quote unquote, make a Korean meal at the end of camp, right? So, you know, it was, it was a camp in the middle of the woods. They're trying to make bulgogi. Yeah, I, I don't know how successful it was. <laughs> My parents used to bring me an Italian hoagie because I just like wasn't into it. They would bring me, you know, after a couple of years at camp, they're like, we'll just bring Jenna a sandwich. 
That sounds like what my parents would have done. Exactly. Just bring him something else. He's not going to eat that. Just bring him something else. We appreciate all you do, but it's not worth it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So in third grade, and and this is a really fond memory for me, um, my teacher put together this like unit on Korean culture. And, you know, they brought in kimchi and I've got, I have all these pictures of, you know, us using, trying to use chopsticks and all these things. And I think as a third grader, you're just thinking, what a coincidence that this happened. And, you know, and of course, looking back, I, I know my mom was obviously like really integral and like, I don't know where she went to get this kimchi, but she helped my teacher plan it with a friend of hers. And so there's just things she's, you know, she was real low key modest about stuff like that. And then when I was a senior in high school, I think I did my senior project on like Korean culture, you know, trying to find, you know, what a hunbuk was and things like that, just real base level. Um, And then I didn't really think about like, like you, Patrick, I was a creative writing major in school and people would be writing about all kinds of revelations and things, you know, you're 19. So everyone's real dramatic. The world is new. And also you are new in the world. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, so my professors and stuff would say like, so really, Jenna, you don't have anything to write about? And I'd be like, no, you know, I, I you know, this and that. And, and I, you know, probably even a couple of years ago, if you had asked me, I, I would have said, yeah, I don't know what I would write about if I was going to write. I, just got, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so this fog thing. Yeah. It's real guys. The fog is very real. <laughs> so I think that's actually really, really interesting um, because... I feel like I remember kind of interactions with professors that were similar, like they might have been trying to fish that information out of me, like realizing, oh, I think he's got more to say than what he's letting on, even though I was trying to write all kinds of weird, weird stuff (laughs) Um, anyways. But I think it's really interesting because, you know, you're like you're you're moving through the fog, but you've had kind of some of these interactions like you did the project uh, about Korea and things like that. So I'm wondering, do you did you feel like you were able to identify as Asian or Korean American uh, while you're growing up and then moving through uh, like going to college and, and leading up to this point of like self-discovery and moving out of the fog for the first time? Do you feel like you were able to identify as Asian or did you feel like that wasn't part of your identity that you fully connected with? I feel like I identified it with it adjacently, not real directly. As you know, it's just such a weird thing to be raised by white people, but know that you are Asian and Korean. Sure. So like I knew that, but, you know, feeling real imposter syndrome whenever I would see a group of, you know, a group of Asians, if we would go to the city and just sort of like stepping away thinking, well, I hope people don't think that I'm with them because I wouldn't know how to act. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to act sure. Korean enough. And I didn't know what that was all about, like just feeling very uncomfortable in that space yeah. and not really able, really able to articulate why until recently. Um so, you know, I, I did the whole thing in college. I went to a very small, predominantly white college in central Pennsylvania. We had an Asian student coalition that I joined. Um, but there was, there you know, there was a lot of folks from international students. There was like nine of us, right, who really got involved in this. Um, so, yeah, like being interested in other cultures, being interested in um, myself, sort of, my therapist says that this is all pretty normal because you're just in survival mode for your life. You know, you're just trying to make it through elementary school. You're trying to get through the awkward years. Of, you're trying 
teenagerhood trying to find a partner <laughs> now i'm trying yeah, to raise trying kids to like, teenage like, <laughs> yeah trying to teenage you know yes. so how who has time and space to really sit down and, and think critically about this until until something happens and triggers it and it's going to sound really silly but you know it was during during lockdowns and i couldn't keep myself busy doing all the things you really had I, and i recognize that that about myself i really had to challenge myself to jenna it's okay to not be busy you can just sit did, have any yes. of y'all ever had this? Like, yes. you can ch- that's okay. You don't have to be busy. It's all mm-hmm. right. It's okay if you're not accomplishing something. So, you know, I'm listening to podcasts. This was before I found yours. And there, it said nothing. How to dare do you listen to other podcasts? I know. How dare I? I didn't even. I didn't even know you existed back then. I can't believe well, it. I don't know that we did exist back then. Yeah, we might not have. <laughs> yeah, that's quite <laughs> old enough. Yeah. <laughs> if it was like right at the beginning of the pandemic, did not exist. We did not exist. <laughs> See, I have a we great were... excuse, guys. I have a great excuse. Very true. Very true. All right, pass. Giving you the pass. But I'm listening to this podcast, and it had nothing to do with adoption. They were just talking about family. And I really have to go back because I quote this guy so often and he has no idea that he launched this journey for me. But he said something like, I realized how could I truly know myself if I've never explored this part of my story? And like all of these bombs just went off Mm. in my brain, you know, and I just just connected for me, like just hearing that one line. And it just started me rolling. I mean, at the same time. You didn't ask. I'll just tell you. But at the same time, all of the... Um, I like it. Yeah, I'm just taking initiative, guys. Yeah, that's, that's why they amazing. call me the honorable. <laughs> <laughs> so at the same time, it was it was around, uh, you know, it was around during all of the stop AAPI hate. And um, I'll just I'll just throw it out there that it was a really weird time for me um, because suddenly everyone in the county that I live in in the general greater Philadelphia area, were very interested that I was a Korean mayor. They they didn't care before that. They mm-hmm. don't care again. But for like two months, <laughs> all, the, all the news stations wanted to interview me. And, and here I am in this like, okay, I got to go speak on behalf of the Asian American Pacific Islander community. That's great. And I, looking back, I think I probably said all the right things. I was certainly passionate about it. You know, I got together with some colleagues to put together, you know, a statement and we worked with our county commissioners and we already had an anti-discrimination ordinance in my borough. You know, we're doing, doing all the things we're putting in the work. We're trying to be front facing to our community to say here, all these things, but I still, I don't know that I really truly, I know I didn't truly embrace what it meant. So somebody asked me if I would put together a vigil for our side of the county. So then I, I did like 150, 200 people came. It was a great opportunity to share stories and just take up some space. It was wonderful. And I didn't know this organization existed at the time, but it's the Korean American Association of Greater Philadelphia for that event that your last guest, um, that's where he Call and I back. met. Shout out, Paul. Shout out, Paul. We've never met, but I'm shouting you out. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met him. I'm there at this event and this small white church bus of Korean elders pulls up and like 30 Korean elders get out of the bus. They come down, they surround me. They don't know it's me yet. And my now friend, Sharon, she's the president of the organization, said something in Korean. She pointed at me and everybody went like in unison, ah, they're clapping. (laughs) And I'm, I'm standing there like, this is the single most powerful moment of my life. And I don't know why exactly, <laughs> but it's it was pretty incredible. It was the first time I had been 
recognized by that many Korean American adults. You know, I'd been around campers, you know, when I was a kid, but this was, this was, it was a pretty phenomenal moment uh, looking back on it. I get pretty emotional thinking about it. So this just sort of set me on, I, then I heard that podcast. I mean, it was nothing compared to that podcast line, right? And everything <laughs> kind of just gelled together for me. And I just started doing the thing. I sent in the paperwork work to Holt. I learned about this trip of this program. It's called Me in Korea, the Mosaic Tour for adults who are looking to go back and explore their country and heritage and do a birth search. And everything just sort of came together. And I found your podcast. I got connected with Michelle Lee. I got to talk to Susan Cox, the former president of Holt. I got connected with the Korean American Association. It's just like all of this stuff just sort of gelled and came together for me. Um, And it's been pretty, it's been quite a year. That's (laughs) how I'll end that. Well, I think it's, I mean, that's, that's all very amazing. I, you know, that's one of the reasons why we were so excited to talk to you. You've said some things on your uh, guest forum about, uh, you know, everyone taking their, their own speed and uh, things that move them into discovery or at their own pace. And I really loved that you said that. And it's nice hearing what you're saying about it as well is that some of these, these interactions that, you know, helped kind of, you know, push you into that, uh, that realm and that uh, discovery zone. Um, and I'm sure just people listening to this podcast will hear, wow, there's, there's a Korean adoptee mayor. And I think that will inspire other people maybe who are interested in politics or maybe interested in just, you know, knowing that there is, you know, more representation out there in, in uh, you know, rural Pennsylvania or in any of those, but I mean, you're, you said you're actually an hour outside of Philadelphia, so it's not that rural, but, um, how, how, can you go over a little bit of your timeline of um, when you became a mayor, when you started looking into wanting to become a mayor? And, yeah, like what uh, got you into politics for sure? Yeah, that was yeah. Sure. Well, I just will preface all of this by saying I I, I really think that I am the least political person ever. Like I told friends like they want me to run for mayor, and everybody just laughed at me. They laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> what terrible friends! I know. I don't en- like. I don't enjoy talking about politics. The whole, especially how divided the country is right now, it, it, it mm. it's it's maddening. So I, I wish I could tell you that I was setting out to represent and break the patriarchy, all this stuff. But the truth is, we moved to my current town, Royersford, Pennsylvania, and. Um, we had my son and it was really important to our family and it worked for us that I could stay home with him. He was a really good sleeper at six months old. And I was used to being in higher education, working, you know, like 40, 50, 60 hours a week, you know, and we were new to the community. So it's not like I had that many friends and I wasn't really that connected. So I used to be like, well, I can't, can't do this one chore now because like, what will I do tomorrow? You know, I was just sort of in this space of looking at a baby all day, you know, he slept a lot. So this is literally how it happened. My husband was sitting on the couch one night and he said, oh, I see that they're looking for someone to be on parks and recreation for the borough. I was like, I could be like Leslie Nope. I could do that. Like, <laughs> you know, I could help plan like an Easter egg hunt. I can do this. This, I could handle Ron great. Swanson. Yeah, I exactly. <laughs> you know, my husband kind of dresses like Ron Swanson sometimes. I mean, <laughs> he likes fit. It, it's all fitting together, guys. It's all fitting together. He eats so a party I, platter on his own. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> so totally all about it. I, I got real nervous about this interview for this volunteer job. When in a, the the gal who was on council, she, she's a good friend of mine now. 
we, we talked for like an hour because she was also from higher education. And unbeknownst to me, she went behind the scenes to talk to the other folks on council to say, I think I found someone who we could ask to run, you know, run on our ticket to be mayor. So I didn't know what was going on. I thought this was all standard operating procedure. They're like, well, come on out, meet the president of council. And I was like, okay, sure. And so he said, oh, tell me a little bit about yourself. I did. And then he leans across the table and says, we were wondering if you would consider running for mayor. And, you know, had had it been like an actual sitcom, you know, I would have done like a spit take, you know, the cornbread, <laughs> the whole thing. went all over him because he leaned all in close him. to tell you. <laughs> yeah. He did. This was before COVID, so it was safe to do those things back then, <laughs> you know, but it, it was just wild. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. To be clear, we are less than 5,000 people in my borough. There's like a, almost a thousand mayors in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania because we have Whoa. so many of these tiny wow. boroughs. You know, and there's different classes of cities. I'm giving you all a little civics lesson. You know, so there's there's a lot of us, right? Um, and I've, you know, become really close with a lot just in my county. And you can kind of do as little or as much as you want with the position when you're in a small borough. There's some really official duties that we have. But the rest of it is just like a lot of community building. You kind of kind of do what you want. And I was pri- I was so ready. It's like, I like supporting local business. I love supporting local nonprofits. You know, I'm all about being on social media all day and connecting with people. Um, so I like planning events. You know, I'd worked with some public safety and done a lot of risk management in my prior job. And so um, working with the police department and the first responders was excellent. So it's turned out to be a really fun fit. It's too bad it doesn't pay anything. So it's all just, <laughs> you know, I literally get paid and like, you know, I'm blowing kisses to babies and kissing um, babies. It's, there it's you cool. Go. That's your reward. You know, I like babies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how a I literally started. Ribbon cuttings. I mean, Lots of ri- yeah, I've yet to cut an actual ribbon though in my burrow. Oh, Isn't that sad? Oh, I know. Soon. Anyone <gasps> listening? I just imagine a business. <laughs> I just imagine inviter. you walking around like I have these large scissors. Does anyone have <laughs> I do, any I have them. I'm ready. Exactly. So <laughs> can I put this ribbon up on your porch and cut it for when you go out the door? Please. Is there anything we can celebrate with a ceremonial ribbon cutting? I have to use these scissors. Someday, someday. Not to, yeah, so. not to flex here, but I actually joined the Chamber of Commerce, Commerce back in California just so I could do a ribbon cutting. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you've been able wow. to cut a ribbon? Oh my gosh. Maybe. Professional ping ponger. Yeah, to I did. I got to cut cutter. one in front of my office. <laughs> Now Patrick's like, wait, I got to cut a ribbon now. (laughs) I have never cut a ribbon. I maybe I don't know. I'm not good with scissors. So, um, (laughs) so did you stay in? Were you able to retain your job in higher education or in education, or did you have to? step out no. away from that. So I had I had left the traditional workforce to stay home with my son. That's why I had all this like, oh, free right, time right, right. And, and energy. Yeah. <laughs> so and I got reelected this past November. Congratulations. Um, I ran I ran unopposed and still only got eighty nine percent of the vote. So I'm, oh, I'm not saying man. that this still makes me sad, but I'm mentioning it, so it must. <laughs> <laughs> well Well they'll know now. Yeah. Because we've said it here on the podcast. <laughs> Our world well, famous was that the ele- that other eleven percent just not go out? Does it just know they didn't vote at all? Or I, I, I would assume yeah, that's probably what it was. I was I, my my little box you had to check was like right down in the bottom right hand corner. Maybe they were covering it. You know, I who knows. <laughs> still, hey, that, that's ninety percent of five thousand people. I mean, still a pretty good amount. That's at least a thousand <laughs> people. So yeah, I math. That's fine. Math. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, you're waiting on me? All right, well. Yeah, man, I just got <laughs> so, off of work, so my brain is just dead. <laughs> I, yeah. So it's interesting that you become the mayor of your borough, and around a, a, a similar time frame, you're, we're starting to see this rise in violence against our community and members of, of, of people who look like us. And then kind of around the same time, you're also starting to go through this really super personal identity journey. What was it like balancing all of those things? Did one, did you have to like curb some of, did it change the way that you approached your mayoral duties? I'm trying to figure out, you know, how, like how that all works together, because that's, I feel like just going on my journey, just doing the journey was so much that I could not do hardly anything else. And that was the only thing I could focus on. And I'm not the mayor of a town. I'm not the mayor of anything. <laughs> I'm not responsible I'm not for kissing babies and, and dragging around yeah. these large ass scissors. And, God, and that was difficult. So I can't I can't I can't even imagine how difficult that would have had to be to try and to go through all of that. And you speak so eloquently about it. And it's like obviously you've come through this or are going through this in what seems to be a very, very well mannered way that wasn't the right way to say that anyways but i was just wondering how how it was how that balance was like for you at that time and then how has that kind of changed going forward since that all of that started oh i think that's a great question um and it it definitely goes back to how how do we have space in our lives to really think about these things i mean i i have the benefit of of being a stay-at-home mom first and foremost so i can put in my earbuds i can listen to you guys i can be listening to other so many a plethora of wonderful podcasts and resources that are out there um i mean my kids i don't want they just turned three and six i don't want to say they raised themselves for a whole year i don't want anyone coming to arrest me but i mean i (laughs) they ate a lot of peanut butter and jelly for dinner you know for for a good six months um you know i found out about my birth family in February and my trip was scheduled to leave June 20th. And so for that amount of time, I was talking to, I was calling people on the trip. I was connecting with other adoptees. I was trying to read. I was trying to listen. Um, I've done a lot of things in life, not just being mayor, like I'm just going to jump in and do it and I'll figure it out later. And I, knowing that about myself, I really wanted to be very intentional about knowing I was going on this trip. So I didn't want to come back from Seoul and be like, Oh, I saw this thing on Instagram. I should have done it while I was there. I mean, that's totally on brand for me. So I didn't want to do that this time. I wanted to really be intentional. Um, and, I, and I had the benefit of going on this trip too with a good friend of mine, another Korean adoptee. She's the one who told me about the trip. So we got to go together. She lives in the next town. She actually grew up where I am the mayor. And she reached out to me on social media because she saw, she saw I was elected. She saw my face. She saw my Polish last name. And she just thought, there's a chance. There's a chance she was adopted. <laughs> so, so we connected and actually got to go with her sister, non-biological, but you know, they, their sisters, they grew up together, another CAD. And so, um, yeah, I, it was, it was a really busy time. I mean, there was, there were moments, and I think you have said this before, Patrick, where I just needed to take a break. Like I, I got like a cold at some point in the middle of it. So I had to like sleep and, and not be thinking about it. And I realized, oh, I needed a break. I mean, I had just been taken the fire hose of information. Um, and it is, it's a lot. I did a lot of journaling. I did a lot of really simple light bulb moments like, oh, I never thought about that. You know, my whole <laughs> life, I'm going to be 40. <laughs> you know, all <laughs> these things. Um, and some of it, you know, some of it was really heavy. I, I Up until a year ago, I never thought about the possibility that folks are out there who didn't have 
a great childhood as adoptees. Um, I never thought about any of some of the dark sides of that this was a business in Korea and that, you know, kids were sometimes taken off the street. All of that, all of that was pretty heavy to like learn about. So it wasn't just culture and history, which I'm still very, I don't have a lot of knowledge. I'm still trying to learn. Um, plus all of my personal stuff. So to answer your question, um, I ignored my family a lot. Okay, that was one. Two, I, <laughs> um, I did, I did have this moment of, I got to share my story. I'm a pretty open book if you haven't already been able to tell. And um, <laughs> at that point, I had enough rapport, I think, with with the residents of Royersford, but also the general area to just tell people. And the response I received was phenomenal. I mean, it was just so overwhelmingly gracious and kind. Um, I, I just sort of shared a little bit. I think I shared, you know, the original picture you get on your adoption files. Like, this is me. I was adopted. Um, and I don't really open the conversation like that ever. You know, I had this moment where I changed some of my bios and my social media to say like, I'm a Korean adoptee. That was like a big mm -hmm. day for me. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to start owning this. Like, this is part of who I nice. am. Whereas prior to that, I would have said, no, no, like woman first, uh, you know, mom, you know, all those sort of other identifying yeah. things. Um, but really being able to embrace and suddenly racialize myself and say, oh, I, this is who I am. This is great. And learning about that and, you know, finding community, all the wonderful things that you guys talk about um, was really pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I've been trying to share as much as possible. I was able to do a couple of small groups with um, parents of adoptees, you know, online sessions. You know, I had a mom say to me, thank goodness that you told your story because we've been trying. We've been trying to get our son to, like, go to the camps and do that. He's not interested. And I said, that's normal. It's okay. <laughs> you know, just sort of trying to, um, you know, just be and you Give know, him a hoagie. He'll be fine. Give him a hoagie. Him a hoagie. <laughs> Tell him he doesn't need to eat the Korean meal at the end of it. Bring him a hoagie. It'll be fine. Forks are you know? entirely acceptable. Yeah. Exactly. It's interesting how so. you end up passing that when you start having those conversations with like adoptive parents and other like younger adoptees and passing on that knowledge, especially because we've all been doing this for not that much uh, period of time. Thank you for sharing all that. I really like that answer because in your guest forum, I think you had written about when you started to do all of this work that you wanted to say yes to a lot of yes. things, you know, you didn't want to say no to a bunch of stuff. And, and like you talked about, re like look back and regret that you hadn't done that. And I think everything you shared is definitely an epitome of, epitome of that, uh, taking a chance on yourself. And, uh, you know, I think going on this trip specifically is that like, I think it's a huge deal to make that first trek back, no matter when you go, no matter what the circumstance is. Um, and for you, it's like, you just leaned right into it. You know, for me, it's been like, eh, you know, just tiptoe, like, man, maybe I'll never go. And, you know, I think hearing you share about how you got to that trip and why you wanted to go and what, your motivation was, uh, I think is really inspiring for me. And so I wanted you, I was hoping you could share a little bit about that first reaction you had to getting off the plane when you landed in Korea mm. for the first time for this trip. And did that moment set the tone or were you already prepped and locked and I, and ready to go. I've also said locked and loaded, and I did not like that. <laughs> Trying to get getting away from all gun, <laughs> getting away from violent language. Yeah, That's yes, yeah. Getting away from violent language. But 
were you, I mean, like, yeah, were you ready was, to go was beforehand? Was the six months or, prep good enough? Is yeah, was the which, six months prep, prep yeah. good, or was that moment that you stepped off the plane, what was that, what was that like? I will just say that it was so stressful trying to travel internationally during the COVID era. It was so mm-hmm. stressful. Oh. Um, and Korea does not mess around. I mean, you have to get that test. It's got to come back negative. You got to upload it into their thing. You got to get the QR code. You know, the it was really nice going on the group. And I'm hoping that um, your organization that you're going with, Patrick, will do the same thing. I mean, they gave us all at we didn't have to figure anything out on our own. <laughs> it was here's step-by-step instructions for how to do this, what to do, et cetera. Um, and then we still had to make it through the trip without getting COVID, right? Because then you're quarantined mm-hmm. for seven days and you miss your whole trip. So it was super stressful. And so I was so, um, not to mention packing and buying gifts for people you've never met. And it was like moving, preparing to move, which I know a lot of you have just done, and preparing for Christmas, at the same time, it was, and trying not to get <laughs> and also just COVID going internationally. Yeah. With a, a global yes. pandemic. So it was, it was real chill. <laughs> it was, it was real chill, you know, it was real chill. Um, so being on the plane, it was, I had a layover in Toronto briefly and then it was 15 hours. And so I just, I really had an opportunity to just sit and write and watch movies and just decompress. Um, I wouldn't say that landing in Korea was the moment but I'll tell you, the trip was really good about doing a nice mix of cultural and and, and Min Young, who's the leader of the trip, has so many wonderful connections with all. So we went to Paju, we went to Incheon. Um, those are sort of the main places um, in Seoul that we went to. And everywhere we went, we just received a warm reception. And I am not a highly emotional person. I'm more anxious than I am, you know, a crier. How I cope is just to be anxious. But I will tell you that every time somebody welcomed us as Korean, I just started weeping. And you reading, and I just kept thinking, okay, reading about this and listening to it is not the same as being there. When you are there, it is just an entirely different, when when Korean people are looking at you and saying, welcome home. We're so glad you're here. We, we are so sad that you had to go away. Welcome to your culture. Welcome to being Korean. I mean, we, you know, we went to Holt, we went to our agency, we did an agency visit. The official calligrapher of Korea was there uh, giving us, um, all of us, our own stamps, which is if we were Korean, we would have a stamp that we would sign all of our official paperwork with. And so that's something like we don't have. And she, she gave us each one. She gave us a flat, you know. All these, and you're just thinking, I never knew I wanted someone to say, Welcome to being Korean until it happened. And so every time it happened, I would just flood of emotions. And so I wouldn't say it was getting off the plane, but it was just sort of a nice progression of being there, being with other adoptees, building relationships with them, really simple things. You know, you go into a lot of stores, there's only one size of clothes which I didn't notice because I happened to be that size. Um, but when I realized it, I was like, oh, there is no mediums. There's no large. I mean, if you go to an H&M, of course, they've got different sizes. So you go to some of these smaller mom and pop shops. It's like it's everybody is the same. I was actually pretty tall. You know, I'm like 5'3". It's like, you know, I'm like a good inch and two inches taller than a lot of people, right? What a dream. Um, uh. I know. Patrick, I don't know what you're going to do. I mean, you're going to tower above everybody. It's going to be crazy. Um, Did you play basketball? <laughs> so many times. Yeah, I know, right? The whole t- the everyone's, entire time. Everyone's just going to take photos of him. They're just going to be like, so. oh, he's so tall. He's so but, tall. Is he a K-pop star? Is that I don't Jeremy know. Lin? 
I, I love how you said though that that welcoming feeling of of being there. I think that's I don't I don't know if that's everyone's experience. Um, I know that's uh, kind of some of the experience I had too when I got there. I, I felt that welcoming, um, but it was more for me. It was welcoming from my family, so it was more of a family mm-hmm. welcome than a Korean welcome. Um, I'm curious if I mean when you were telling your story. Patrick, I think, was getting a little uh, teary-eyed right there because I think he's thinking about his uh, his trip there and that the welcome if they're going to welcome him that same way. You can't see these start... tears in my eyes. I don't know. I saw I saw you get a little <laughs> little little glossy, but no, I'm wondering because that I think would be great. I think that is a I don't know. I, I don't want to say about that, but I, I don't know if that's like a desire or a dream or a a uh, hope that or uh, something that's unforeseen. But I think that's something that uh, is just, it's so warm and, and nice to hear that that's how you felt when you got there. Um, and I hope that's like the experience for a lot of, uh, of Korean adoptees who do go back because uh, I, I do like Korea. I, I really appreciate, um, you know, everything about the culture there and, and what I saw. So I'm glad you had a good time. I, I want to hear more though. So uh, I don't know if the other guys have follow-up questions on that. Well, yeah, I, have, I feel like the, I've got enough for about another hour. So um, first off, I want to pull this out. Uh, you were talking oh, yes. about you got your stamps and yes. Nathan so very kindly when we went to Korea. Or no, when we went to Korea, we went to L.A. They got us uh-huh. our got us stamps. So that was very cool. Of him. Hi, young. Hi, young. But Nathan uh. talked about because obviously you had a lot to do on this trip. Um, it wasn't just about reconnecting with culture and going back to Korea. It was also part of reuniting uh, and, and mm-hmm. re- entering into reunion. Nathan talked about, you know, when he went back, he w- went uh, and it was a reunion trip. Um, what was that experience like for you? Obviously, you talked a little bit in the beginning about some of the things, some of the conversations that you had with your birth. You father. also said, Appa, I which I think you implies a Appa. lot about how mm-hmm. that goes. So yes. yeah, I'm curious about yeah. that too, yes. because also <laughs> yes. hearing you say that and seeing your, like the, the structure, the bone structure of your face reminds me of Janet Kim from Kim's convenience, which like that is a character who mm. like her, Very like true. hearing Appa come out of her mouth makes sense to me. I'm like, you could be cousins. And so like in some way I'm like, that makes sense. But also like, wait, you're adopted. That's a what? So yeah, I I would love to hear more about that. Well, that is a very nice compliment. Thank you. Of course. For the honorable mayor, Jenna. (laughs) So it was interesting because, you know, I sent all the paperwork and Holt Korea and Holt USA are now two separate entities, which I did not realize when I went into this. And so I was working with someone through Holt USA, got my paperwork. It was everything that my mom had kept in record for me. So nothing was too surprising, um, except that it said right there, oh, you were born in Mokpo. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Um, that's new, um, even though it wasn't. So a couple months went by and one of my mentors on the on the tour, he, you know, he was you know, calling a lot of us, checking in, making sure, you know, working through, are you ready for this trip, et cetera. He also had a, a birth reunion. So that was pretty cool. He knew I was going on through all this. And we said, why don't you just message them again? Maybe, you know, maybe they forgot about, you know, see if you there's anything else. And when you grow up with these forms that say unknown birthplace, unknown parents, you just, you're like, okay. So I wasn't really even, it was not on my radar. I would submit the forms and I would just go about my life. 
because you're not expecting to get anything. Um, so it was the day after Valentine's Day. We're sitting on the couch. I don't, I'm a pretty true millennial. You leave me a voicemail. Maybe someday I'll listen to it. But I just happened to look <laughs> and see um, that, I, oh, I have a, you know, we're getting ready to put the kids to bed. And it was someone from Holt Post Adoption Services who essentially was like, hey, call me back as soon as you can. <laughs> oh, that's not mysterious and creepy at all. Yes. So that was a long hour of my life, you know, trying to get the kids fall asleep and so I can call him back. <laughs> oh, my you know, gosh. That's anxiety producing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yikes. I know you haven't had a home-cooked meal in months, but just, you know, come get sleep. over it's it. Fine. <laughs> so I called him back and he – what had happened was I found out later um, they contacted the reception center. That was on my records. It said, you know, relinquish to Mokbo. But they had said on my records that it was the police who had mm. done that. So I just always assumed, oh, I was found by the police and, you know, well, that was not true. They contacted the reception center who have, and I now have them in my possession because I got to go there. It said that it was my birth father who had relinquished me and it had a whole history. It kind of said, you know, they, you know, they were unmarried. She left shortly after you were born. Um, he struggled to take care of you. That's why. And so there were a, a couple things happening because even when I got my paperwork, having now had babies, when you're reading like four lines about yourself, like, okay, slept through the night. You know, I was like seven months old when I was relinquished. Some slept through the night, very healthy, eats very well. You're thinking, I was really taken care of. I mean, you don't know that when you're in high school, but when you, in, if you've ever seen a baby sleep through the night, you're like, that took effort. Somebody helped get you to sleep through the night. So uh, any piece of information I received just felt really good. You know, like when you're not expecting anything, anything you get is, wow, I slept through the night. Someone that's mm -hmm. awesome. You know? So then I hear, okay, it was your birth father. And the first thought I had to answer your question was birth father. You know, cause I had to tell my husband, I'm sorry, Dave, but nobody ever thinks about the birth father. You're just always thinking about the birth mother, right? It's you know, like when we, when we, we, mm -hmm. we envision it and you just picture a faceless lady in the hunbok like going through the woods and dropping off a basket you know it's very moses i know but <laughs> it is very moses. You know, and then you became you the picture, prince of right? egypt <laughs> that's right you know no big deal yeah it's fine we all have that story but one of the things and i know this sounds really convenient to say now because i know all of this but what he had left his basically equivalent of social security number he left his name his id number he left uh, my birth mother's name actually and so here I am almost 40 years later, like hearing firsthand. And I was thinking to myself, this is somebody who wants to be found, right? You don't, you don't leave right. that kind of information, right? Um, so then I had to do the whole, you know, write a letter to him, pick six to 10 pictures to send. I take like 16 pictures an hour. So that was not, that was an <laughs> interesting terrible. exercise. You know, it was crazy. You're doing that in Korea during that? No, no. This was in oh, February. This was when you yeah, got the this letter. was prior. Okay. My call. trip was in June. And I just, at the same time, was going through this birth search, knowing that I was going in June. Um, so it just okay. sort of all happened to work out. So then I sent it off and they do a whole thing because uh, the Korean government is now in charge of doing the searches. They can only do it if they have an ID number. So that was almost a, a near miss, right? So they were able, so they kind of send some vague letters because they, you know, they don't know what, they don't want to blow up anyone's spot, right? Um, but he, he got, he got my letter on a Sunday and he immediately called and was like, I know what this is about. This is about my daughter. I've been waiting for her. 
And then I had to wait like an excruciating week and a half to um, get a reply, which wasn't that long, actually. But he wrote me this beautiful letter back. Um, And so I wrote back to him and gave him my phone number because I thought, well, he can look up my cacao talk then, right? That'll Mm. be great. He called me (laughs) on the phone. (laughs) Like it was a Saturday or Sunday. I was actually at a charity event in Philadelphia. The music was like blaring. I see like a weird number. I kind of ignored it. And then as soon as I ignored it, I was like, no, it can't. I can't be. So I'm like, you know, I I said to Dave, like, take the kids. Like I was trying to run away from the music on the phone. Turn the music. I mean, wait. Okay. DJ, can you can you please turn down the music, DJ? You know, amazing. And it was just wild, you know. So he doesn't speak a lick of English. I know three words in Korean. Um, so basically, the whole conversation was me saying "appa appa annyeonghaseyo appa," and him saying like my Korean name and a bunch of other stuff. It was so it was wild. And I have um, a couple friends who are you know in the Korean American community, so. I was able to reach out to them. And I, so I called him back later and I have a friend who was able to translate for me, basically. Like I put him on speaker, I put her on Zoom and we kind of went through the whole thing. And so that was really pretty special. And then my sister found me, my half sister found me like a, I don't know, a couple weeks later on Kakao. And so, so before I got to go, I got to talk to him. We exchanged letters. I got his picture. Um, she and I were communicating. She's 31. She had known about me for like a decade so um, I was not a surprise to her, which was another thing you didn't ask, but I'm just going to tell you, <laughs> um, just through this whole process of hearing folks on your podcast say, well, you know, I found out this, but, you know, because of this, this and this family is very hesitant to meet me, et cetera. So I was just expecting, just very like expectant the whole time, trying to be just live in gratitude. You know, I got I got mm. this letter. If he doesn't want to meet me it's, it's okay. I got this letter or, you know, if, if I can't get, you know, just trying to manage my expectations the whole time. And, and I just want to say to everyone listening, I understand that my story is very, very rare. Um, but what I hope is that the only thing I want to say is that I almost didn't do any of this because my form said unknown and it couldn't be farther than the truth. Um, so I'm not saying you will find something, obviously many people don't, and it's very painful and there's a long process and it's waiting and it's expectation and it's a lot of emotion and it's a crazy journey. Um, but if you, but if the only thing stopping you is because you just think, eh, I'll never find anything. If that's the only thing stopping you and but if you're ready to kind of go through whatever that possibility might be, I wanted to share my story because I went 40 years thinking, eh, I'll never find anything. And now I've got an appa who's halfway around the world that I plan on seeing again next summer and a half sister and an aunt and an uncle and seven cousins. And um, it's pretty it's pretty phenomenal. I feel like you're speaking directly to me right now. <laughs> I, you know, try not to be too heavy handed. Sometimes need to. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Amazing. The timing of that could yeah. not have been better. I. <laughs> I think that's so lovely. Um, and it's amazing how simple words like that, when you're adopted and you don't have that much backstory, can really define you. Um, just the idea of being unknown or things about you being unknowable. And I love and your form that you filled out <laughs> in March, apparently, um, saying like, 
taking taking a chance on myself and uh saying things that i'm I'm not gonna find oh uh you said you were a journaler and um just have spent all this time like essentially trying to figure out who you are and in some sense fighting against this sense of unknowability and yet um yeah i i just think that's really lovely to know that like you can in fact be known and even though you may not ever know the whole picture that shouldn't stop you from trying. Um, and I think that your, your journey is, um, one that's really lovely because it's really, I think it is you not giving up. And, and that story of perseverance is something that's really inspiring. Also you talk good. Um, and I find like, <laughs> like I just, I'm like, I don't really have any questions. I just want you to keep talking forever. Um, and, and I think that's really lovely too. Um, just to, to hear, I think the, opportunity that you have been able to take um in taking a chance on yourself on on all of this exploration is so so important and even though we joked at like at 19 you're like yeah i'm in the world and i'm new to the world and the world is new to me and i'm figuring who i am but then even to be uh 20 i know how to math 20-ish years on um and still doing some of those things i think is really fun and and helps helps find some, some rhythms and, and give, yeah, maybe courage is the word. Um, cause one of the other things that I've been thinking of too, is it's so much of your story, like is so informed by your upbringing and, and some of the chances and privileges that you've had that, uh, in some ways all, all four of us share. Um, and I know that going back to Korea isn't necessarily a rosy thing. And, and yet, um, this is still the thing, the place that we're, we're reacting to. And, um, yeah, just picking up, all of these identities and trying them on and being like, is this who I want to be? Is this who I am? Et cetera. Uh, so I'm curious what, what's the, the balance of identities now? It sounded like earlier when you were younger, um, you were similar to me and that like you had a clear sense of being ethnically Korean, but not like Asian American or anything or Korean American and any of that. Um, but now, especially as you're, uh, technically in a political sphere, although it sounds like maybe just more like political adjacent. <laughs> um, but as a, as a mother and a mayor and an Asian American and an adoptee, like what's the balance of those identities and how does that shape who you are moving forward? So somebody said it was probably Brene Brown because I love her. She said something like, you know, love and compassion. It's not a pie. You know, we can take on all of these things and, and still be still be whole. It's that it's not like if one moves in, something else has to move out. So, you know, I've always been very strong in the and I always joke like my whole career I've been a young woman, <laughs> which is gonna start to not be true <laughs> soon, I guess. It's gonna, it's gonna go um, from a funny joke to a sad joke real soon. Yeah, exactly exactly. Um so you know everything I've done every in my throughout my career has been, wow, you're so you're so young. And people don't say Oh, you're a young Asian woman. They don't, mm-hmm. you know, they leave off the last part. They just, but, um, so I, I think, I think I've been used to being a little underestimated my whole life because of the way that I look, and so being able to really embrace a lot of um, these things has been pretty empowering. So the other day, I was invited to go be the, and I really fought hard against it. It's like who, who again? Who am I to say anything? Keynote speaker wise, but I got to be the keynote speaker at the liberation celebration for the 77th anniversary of, um, with the Korean American association. Um, and so that was something that a year ago I would have been real scared to do, you know, very, you know, very imposter syndrome. How can I go and 
be amongst all of these people who look like me, but I don't feel like them. And, and now I've got, I certainly have a long way to go still, but just going and being welcomed by them and putting on the hanbok and, and really owning it and, and feeling like I, I belonged to it, feeling like I deserved to belong there. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, to the outside world, I mean, I had to say a couple of times in some mayor posts, like I know this sounds crazy. I'm an Asian presenting woman. So to say that I'm for the first time really embracing it is going to sound crazy to all of you who are. And so there's this weird thing I've been wrestling with and thinking about, you know, a stranger will come upon you. And, and even though they're a stranger, there's, it's almost like they're seeing something in you that you haven't seen in yourself quite yet, which how can that be? Um, you know, it's us. How do we not, how do we not know ourselves? Um, and this is true for any form of identity development, right? Lot, lots of, I studied a lot of this in grad school, not related to me, of course, but, you know, other people. Right. Never um, related to me. It's, you know, I, I never thought about myself you know. as right. the identity developing. I was you know. formed at that but, time, but. Exactly. So I think, you know, I think it's, it's just like Brene Brown said, it's not, you know, it's not, not pie. We can, we can take it all on and, um, and we can still honor all the other parts of ourselves that make us us equally. Well, I really like that because one, I feel like I'm. I know exactly that feeling of being like, who am I to speak in front of this group of other Asian people? Like, and I've not, I've never felt that way before. And then finding now over, especially over the last three, four five months, like that self-acceptance piece and being able to go in front of those crowds and not feel the pit in my stomach and being like, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Like that voices went away. And I think that's mm-hmm. you sharing that I think is so important because for the adoptee community specifically, no matter what, where we're like ethnically based for the adoptee community, we have to share our stories in that way when we're ready to, because people, while they see us, they don't really see us. And if they don't, mm-hmm. if we're not sharing how difficult it is to finally say, I am Asian American, I am Korean, I am Indian, however so you true. identify, however you embrace that. If we're not sharing that, then we will continue to be seen as just another adopted person and all and and never given our full agency as somebody who's had to live a different Asian American experience. Because like when we're out on the streets still, when we're when we're when we're mayors, when we're at our jobs, we are Asian Americans. We are the people that we are outside of those things. And when we're out on the street, we are still these people. And so especially within our own ethnic communities, if we're not sharing that with them and letting them know there is wildly different experiences to being this person or inhabiting and being a part uh, and piece of this community, we're going to continue to be seen but not seen and or seen but not heard. And so, yeah, so I just wanted to say thank you for saying that because I think we don't think about that enough you know, we talk about our stories and we share them and that's really great. And we do share, and especially because we do that within our own community, because we're trying to find an, or leave something for people who are coming out of the fog for the first time to have, to be able to hold on to and grasp and embrace and find their way. But if we're really wanting to be seen, we have to have these conversations in front of all, in front of our groups, in front of our different communities, the wider diasporas that we come from. And so by you doing that, and especially uh, taking up the space of somebody in the political sphere, you know, I feel like that's something that you don't hear very much of at all, ever. And if we're going to have adoption things change, if we're going to make change in the industry, we have to have more uh, folks like yourself who have the courage, uh, who have 
are able to use their privilege, whatever privileges they may have, to find themselves in these spaces where we can start to push for the actual changes that we need. Because that's the thing. I don't know. I can't name off one hand the number of elected officials who are also adopted. I can name a bunch of people who adopted children, but I couldn't tell you how many people are actually adopted who are working in legislation, which means that we're not represented at that level. And so if we want changes to happen, we have to find we have to start finding our ways there. And that starts by being comfortable and sharing our stories, finding our way to embracing who we really are, live living and leaning into all of our identities and then saying, yeah, I'm going to do this. So thank you. I don't know. I'm sorry. I talk a lot. That too, was so. an, no, that was an here, excellent here. monologue. That was wonderful. I gotta go though. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I just kidding. You talked for a long time and that. I paid attention to most of it. So <laughs> it, was, it was coherent for about 80%. That was solid. That's usually I, the I was, last 20% really. That's going to require minimal I editing. I, I was nodding. I did see Nathan. I agreed with it all. Amazing. Well, might have been is, more of a side to side, but if you know, Nathan is fine. nodding off, then it sounds like it's time to go to a snack time. Time for snack. <laughs> snack time. time for snack. Let's take that Sounds break good. right now. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. Patrick's laughing already. I haven't even said That's the food, not what food, this food, segment food is called. <laughs> we are back. I just liked watching you go into it. I haven't been here in a while. We haven't That's done true. one of them together in a while and see you go into it. That made me <laughs> chuckle. Okay. Well, we are here for food. We were here <laughs> for the Honorable Mayor <laughs> Jenna, but now we are here for food with the Mayor Jenna, the Honorable Mayor Jenna. So... I mean, as we were talking earlier, we, we discussed how uh, Jenna was actually listening to some of our old shows and eating along with us. Um, you know, oh, shoot. Is that true? Same snacks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and now you pre, have that chance for online. real with yeah. like, almost like in person, you know, and I'm in so the room, guys, you are awesome. here. So I am I'm excited that you are here for that. And uh, we just I mean, that was an amazing interview. Um, so thank you again, but I'm happy that you did get these snacks. I don't even know what they are. I just know they look like tasty chocolatey pillows of goodness. So tasty mine, chocolatey pillows. <laughs> mine's Alrighty completely then. in, in Hangul. I don't know. Let me take that back. It does say cereal chocolate cup on the back of mine. What is, is that what the Hangul says? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. The, uh, Hangul says shiriol. Uh, in green and then the brown says choco so you know we're in for a chocolate cereal and then the subtitle up top says mandun. i don't know what any of that means well that's not true i know mashidnun is flavor or taste so mm. something about flavor the chocolate probably flavor. being chocolate and or cereal flavor hmm. i don't know i i, I don't know. the picture of it makes me real suspicious but chocolate cereals are super common, so I don't know why I'm feeling so like hesitant about the food, but I am. So. Well, here's one of the reasons that's giving me some pause. Uh, also, it's uh, a low tech product. The number one ingredient is semi chocolate. 
So is that like a is that like a forty percent chocolate? Like is it not a full chocolate? How do you get to full chocolate status? What makes you lose full chocolate status? I'm very confused. I don't <laughs> well, know what semi just, chocolate is. Maybe it just means it's translated uh, incorrectly. Maybe it just means semi sweet chocolate, which is a thing. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard of that either. Okay. Semi sweet like chocolate. Lot, very <laughs> common. Oh yeah, so, the baking you need to we already know that. Some that's canon. Go, yeah, that's canon. go watch some Bake Off. <laughs> that is true. I always find it amusing when it lists the things that I'm like, I have never seen in, in an American item. It says eggshell, you know, calcium. Like they actually specifically say what the calcium is from, eggshell, um, which is interesting. But uh, other than that, everything else seems, you know, the standard. Uh, uh, chemical fare of preservatives plus uh, some flour, some salt. If this is anyone's first time listening to the food part of our show. They're like, this is they're like, it's I terrible. Don't, why do they what do this? They're they not just good. reading the ingredients off of the package. It sucks. To all my friends listening, just give the show another chance. Give it another chance. I'm so sorry. It looks really good. I mean, if, if we had video, I mean, it looks good. It looks like a, what are those things called? Those um, um, wheat, uh, you know, pocket wheat cereals. Thins? They're no, uh, the, the wheat ones. Uh, honey, no, frick, frosted mini wheats. Frosted mini wheats. they're so hollow, looks, hollow oh, on yeah, the yeah, yeah. This one's hollow with chocolate on the inside. That's what it looks like. But okay. it's made by Lotte, by the way. We forgot to mention that. Um, okay, I just, see uh, we dig in. Just it's dig fine. In. Well, so here's the deal. So I opened it like a normal box, because like, like I just moved into a house. No. But then there's also this like flappy thing that says open. Cool. Open. But then there's on the, on the package, it says open. It points to the sides. So I don't. I actually don't know how to open the actual thing to eat the thing. I bet you grab just, it. I bet you grab it like this. So and open f- it like an American, I guess. Or maybe you smash know. it together. And for I anyone looking the at the store, uh, there are different boxes. You guys have the rectangle box. I actually have a cup, so it looks like a cereal cup. It smells um, chocolatey. So if you're looking, they also have those, and mine has no packaging other than the the top lid. Oh, weird. Oh, you guys have already broken into them. I'm already in it. Already oh, yeah. there. Mm. I'm already I'm already eating some chocolate, some hey, semi chocolate. These do not look the same as they do on the box. They're a little bit wider. No. I was they're significantly frosted. Yeah. The picture makes it looks like look like there's going to be like a, a lava of chocolate in the inside, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the darker like color makes it look more wheat healthy. Like this looks like a yeah. yeah um, chocolate isn't oozing out of mine every time I no. buy it. Oh look, I even have one that's hollow. Feel ripped off, oh, oh. man. What a rip off! You need your money back. I would it's write not to Lotte. Bad. It definitely tastes like it's cereal, not but not. I know. In a I want to add way? milk. I wonder if anyone adds milk to this. It tastes yeah. like yeah, like, like a cereal, like a churro cereal, like uh, it's like a Chex mix, but like a cookies and cream Chex mix or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a good. The chocolate's good though. It's, I mean, it's a good quality chocolate. I feel like it's, it's not, no cookie crisp. No, that's but a it's good semi chocolate. <laughs> it's an excellent semi chocolate. Not too sweet, which I now know is what that means. <laughs> I'm really curious. I'm I'm gonna save some of this and add milk to it later. Two servings per container. All right. There's yeah. two servings oh. in this bag. Yeah. So that's pretty calorie dense for a traditional Korean snack. Mm-hmm. That's true. Usually one calorie or one calorie. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> one I think serving it's good. size. I don't, I'm, yeah. I'm running out of things to say besides it is exactly what it is brand yeah. to be, which is kind of impressive, but that means I'm not, I don't have any hot takes. Right. The taste is what I expected for sure. So, yes. Jenna, you've heard our shows. We rate things from one to five. You can, you can give How it How many semi chocolates do you give yeah. it out of five? 
I particularly enjoy when you guys rate how easy it was to get into the package. That always cracked me up. Uh, It was very easy to open this package. I appreciate that. I also like that you could probably reuse the box for little Legos or things. I literally was thinking the exact same thing. (laughs) Nice. What can I use this box for? I can't because I opened it like a fool, but it's fine. (laughs) Some tape would fix that. But if you don't open it like a fool, like KJ did. <laughs> you're not an idiot like KJ. <laughs> He'll recycle. That's, how, okay. you, that's how you know you're a longtime listener, because longtime listeners who come onto the show, they're like, we're already best friends and I'm already throwing shade. I'm like, no, okay, that's appropriate. <laughs> I would give it a, I'd give it a solid 4.5 out of 5. Uh, really? Cereals. Okay. I like that it's not too sweet. Good. It's crunchy. Um, I was, it loses half a point though, because the box makes it seem like the chocolate's going to be a little mm-hmm. more brown, liquidy. a little more lava. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. A little, <laughs> a little more lava-y. lava-y. She, said, mm-hmm. she expected a lava of chocolate. And I was like, I love that. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Patrick, what about you, man? Um, so it tastes good, but I think I'm going to give it a 3.5, maybe a three, I'm what? 3.25. And I'm saying that because I liked your description, KJ, that it was exactly what it is advertising itself to be, essentially. But that's it. There, well, The last snack that we did together, I gave it a 2.5 right yeah, down the did. middle of the road. You went right down the middle and Wait, you went 2.75. Right. Right. Yeah, that was when I went down the middle of 2.75, you know, the half of five. <laughs> I was dying when I was listening to that. <laughs> Uh, that's how I feel about this snack is why is why I brought that up. Uh, but I think it's just a little bit better than middle of the road. So that's why I'm going 3.25. So much. Right. Okay. Well, I like it. I agree with Jenna. Uh, it's, it's a good chocolate. It's a good crunch. Um, I'm going to give it a 4.5 as well. I might bump that up when I add milk to it. Mm. Um, even though it's probably not supposed to be a cereal, even though it does say cereal chocolate cup. Um, that's probably the worst cereal for you is to eat. This would not be a good balanced cook- breakfast cookies. party. Yeah, exactly. Again, this would not be healthy. Cookie crisp. Also part of this, our, a part of what, how does it say in the nineties? Part of this balanced breakfast? Part yeah. of every kid. However, I breakfast? feel it would be know. good. Either, either putting oh, yeah. it in, in milk or putting it on top of ice cream. So I'm going to still Ooh. give it a 4.5. All right. Um, I am with Patrick on this. It's entirely as advertised or rather Patrick is with me on this. It's entirely as advertised. <laughs> Here's, Here's the deal, though. I will say, like, when you hear chocolate cereal, I think you think of one thing. But when I was reading, maybe it's just because my Korean is bad. But in this, I imagined flavor, like cereal flavor, if that was a thing, and also chocolate flavor, like separately. Mm. So it's not chocolate cereal flavor. It is cereal flavor and chocolate flavor. And this nails both of them in equal parts. And it's more pleasant than I... I don't know. Just like eat like dry <laughs> Cheerios and that like flavor. Cereal. There's a yeah. lot of cereals out um, there. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I, I think specifically something in the dry, like mildly healthy, whatever. Um, like life. Sure. Yeah. Um, That's my favorite cereal. So I think it's like. Life. <laughs> all right. Um, I swear. I think it's, it's just like that. it is what it is. And it's it something about me. it is just like a little bit more like the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts so it's like it's mm. a little a little more than average but because it's entirely average i'm also going to give it mm, three and a half i think uh it's, it's it's fine it's good i wouldn't rush to the store but they nailed the advertising besides it 
the one being browner and the other being more pale. So maybe the ones on the inside need to see the sun and that would fix most of the problems. Who knows? Or maybe the ones inside were extremely old and they've lost some of their coloring. Oh, that's that's real sad. (laughs) It's become a tragic. (laughs) This is the the tragic tale of Cereal Chaco by Lote. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for coming on the show. That is the end of our food portion. Um, and now we're going to Everything I wanted you... it to be in more. <laughs> so she would give being on the show a 3.5. <laughs> um, that's fine. You don't have to rate us on air, but you do have to rate us off air in iTunes uh, or I think Spotify doesn't do ratings anymore. I don't know. Jenna, yeah, where can people find you? Stars. Is there a thing that you want to promote or raise awareness of? I don't know. Plug, plug yourself and... And ways to connect with you here. You want more people to move to your borough in Pennsylvania? <laughs> um, I would just say if you're in the greater Philadelphia area, Western Montgomery County, Montgomery County at all, and you want to connect, even if you're not, um, I, I've met all of my Karina Top Tea friends. We have found each other through Instagram in the area. I had a bunch over. That's uh, Paul came over one time, your previous guest, and um, we just hang. We just hang and we talk and we eat and it's a good time. And I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone. Uh, also, I'm, I'm home all day with my kids and happy to have a distraction. I'm constantly messaging Patrick like, Hey, how you doing? You want to talk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible messenger on Instagram too. So I apologize. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me um, at mayor Jenna PA on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, although I don't tweet very often, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jenna Antonowitz. Um, I have a website that's connected to um, the stuff we do in town. You can see all the food that I'm eating and um, a little bit about my journey there. It's RoyersFordRecreation.com. And there's a Mayor Jenna portion there. Um, so you can see some pictures and stuff. If you're interested in seeing my appa and my sister and my sister Unji and other things. So anyone can reach out to me. I've connected to quite a few people from just, you know, looking them up on Instagram after uh, hearing about them on your show. So I've made some friends that way. Connecting. Thanks guys. The show's awesome. And I love it. (laughs) Well, we love that you were gracious enough to give us your time on the show. Um, And you and I will definitely be having conversations soon. Um, if you want to have conversations with the rest of us, though, you can do that collectively at John Chi Show on all the social media platforms. You can also send us an email to John Chi Show at justlikemedia.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 972-677-8867. Speaking and- of which, Jenna, how do you pronounce the word R-O-O-F? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me. It's Roof. It's Roof. It's roof. roof. But also, it's did you roof. hear what I was talking about in the episode? Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Just vigorous head nods. All right. So yeah. if you specifically want to call in because you are either for or against a specific pronunciation of the word R-R-O, wait, R-O-O-F, not R-R-O-F. <laughs> that's a different word. R-O-O-F. Just call in to that number, 972-677-8867. And just leave potato, how, you, how you pronounce that word. And then you don't even have to say anything else. You don't have to say hello, goodbye, long time for whatever. None of that. Just just how you pronounce that word would be fantastic. Has um, anyone called and left a message about it yet? Yes. Well, yes, one person has called about that. One person has called and left an actual voice message where they have a question for us, which we will get oh, to we got on an a actual solo message? show. Yeah. Ooh. So yeah. we're excited so, for that. Uh, Anyways, all right. On continuing on, uh, email johntyshow at justlikemedia.com. Uh, you can go to johntyshow.com. Yeah, to support the show. Um, the slash support is the way to do that. Um, and then you can connect with us individually. I'm at KJ Roki, wherever I want to be found on the internet. 
I'm N Nowak on Instagram. You can also check out our Facebook uh, after party. Oh, yeah, right. Man, shoot. All right. <laughs> Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at Patrick in the world. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Patrick Armstrong. I am Hashtag the Asian, the Asian one. one. <laughs> um, and um, you also heard last week that we announced our John Chi live. That is going to be October Ooh. 22nd, the week of the 22nd, I believe. Um, in Way to sound confident about that. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome. It's okay. Uh, we know what we're doing. <laughs> in Carrollton slash Dallas in the most Korean area that we could possibly find. So you'll That's have not more... LA or New York. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll have more details about that soon, uh, or we will have those details for you soon. But just wanted to throw that back out there as well. And again, thank you so much, the Honorable Mayor Judge Jenna Cantonowitz. <laughs> not Judge, but... Not what a judge yet. <laughs> oh. You heard it here first. Johnchi exclusive. Oh, no. oh. Johnchi exclusive. <laughs> Love it. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Hopefully we can have you back again sometime soon to talk more Good about other things. But until that time and until next week, we have been the Johnchi boys and Johnchi. Oh, I missed it. My time is up. Oh, no. It's fine. Now we're drowning. Whatever. That seems ridiculous. Alright. Just gonna let it fade out. Woo! Now it's done. Ah, shoot, now it's looping. Gosh dang it.